Today on CityCast Chicago, it's no surprise that theater has been struggling since the start of the pandemic, but with Chicago Theater Week coming next week with live shows, we talked to a critic about whether the future of Chicago theater looks any brighter and what performances we should be keeping an eye on. It's Thursday, February 10th. I'm Simona Licea, in for Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Carrie Reed is the theater critic for the Chicago Reader. Carrie, what is Chicago Theater Week? Well, it's something that's a joint venture between Choose Chicago, the tourism arm of the city, and the League of Chicago Theaters. It started about, I think this is their 10th year, um, I think really as a way of getting people to get out in the winter. As as all of us know, February in Chicago isn't necessarily you know, the peak time to be <laughs> getting out and about. So it was a way of reminding people that theater is something in at least in normal times, it happens all year round. The idea is to encourage people who haven't been to theater in a while to get out and check out some shows. Or if you do go to theater regularly, maybe to encourage you to check out a theater in a different area or a different genre or uh, a different, you know, even in a suburb maybe you haven't gone to before because it's not just the city uh, theaters that are participating in this. But beyond that, I think what you can expect in terms of programming is a lot of the same great work that usually goes on. It, this happening in February means that there does tend to be an emphasis on plays that tie in with Black History Month, although obviously you can see great work by Black artists on Chicago stages year-round. This year, for example, Gem of the Ocean, which is the first piece chronologically in August Wilson's monumental century-by-century century exploration of Black life in the 20th century in America. It's a really stunning, stellar uh, exploration of Wilson's work. New work, or at least new to us, uh, Donia R. Love's Fireflies, which is set in the civil rights era and involves a couple that's somewhat loosely based on Coretta uh, King and Martin Luther King. But it's like their relationship at home and some of the conflicts that they face. That's at Northlight Theater, been getting wonderful reviews. And uh, Queen of the Night at Victory Gardens by Another uh, young uh, black queer playwright, Travis Tate, that's just opened under the direction of the new artistic director at Victory Gardens, Ken Matt Martin. So those are three that I can think of right now that are um, uh, featuring work either by very well-known playwrights like August Wilson or up-and-coming writers like Donia and, and Travis. But there's also uh, Second City is open. There's sketch comedy. There's drunk Shakespeare. I'm pretty sure you're allowed to bring concessions to your <laughs> to your seat for that. So if you have found a, a fondness for different kinds of cocktails during the pandemic, as some of us may have, that may also be something to check out. Are there any virtual offerings for Chicago Theatre Week? I think there are. And certainly there's at least one virtual offering that you can check out. Uh, the Filet of Solo Festival through Lifeline Theatre, also a long-running tradition. Filet of Solo, as the name implies, is a celebration of solo storytelling. And what they've got on tap is for a pass or individual prices, you can check out particular solo storytelling artists. You can check out collectives that focus on certain communities, whether it's stories from people with disabilities, stories from the immigrant, you know, from different immigrant communities. What is the state of play right now in the theater community? Are we seeing things reopen that were closed? Do we still have a lot of permanent closures that we're trying to contend with? Kind of what is the the state of the scene? 
Yeah, I mean, one thing that surprised me is that theaters that I thought were closed have decided to come back. Now, there are the permanent closures. Royal George Theater, which was mostly a presenting house. They didn't produce their own work. They're gone, and I don't see any way that they're coming back. But Mercury Theater Chicago on Southport had said they were going to be gone. They did come back. Uh, Io, the comedy, comedy giant, had said that they were closing down permanently, And yet they have been bought, and I understand that they're kind of, um, now the people who own the building are talking to uh, McNapier and Jennifer Estill of Annoyance Theater about getting some guidance into how to reopen and what kinds of things they might be doing. So there has been resilience, and certainly a lot of the plays that opened this fall that I saw were plays that were either shut down prematurely. Um, So I think people are, you know, honoring commitments to shows that they had been either wanting to do or had actually started to do, and then had to pull the plug on them. 2020 was the last year that Chicago Theater Week was fully live. Last year, it was uh, mostly virtual. Um, What can you tell me about how Chicago Theater Week will look different from previous years? Well, I think the first thing to realize is that the mask mandate is in effect, of course. Uh, You should be checking on the theater's websites to see what their particular... COVID-19 protocols are. Most will require proof of vax or a negative test. Some have even stepped up to requiring proof of booster. Some are doing, uh, you know, some distanced seating. So you may be seated with your, you know, with your group or your pod. Um, Some will not have concessions. Some will, but they will not let you take concessions into the theater. So there's really a mix of things that theaters are doing. Um, So just, I would like, ask everyone to extend grace, particularly to the front of house staff who have been working very hard to keep everyone safe and happy as theaters reopen. We'll be right back. We talked to you here at CityCast back in April, and when we talked to you, there was a lot of optimism about summer theater and uh, about the start of the the 2021-2022 season in the fall. Did that really materialize in the way that you thought it would? I think in some ways it did. There were certainly, you know, I think it started off strong, and then unfortunately, you know, around Christmas and the holidays, some shows did have to shut down. You know, which is unfortunate because that's such a great time for families to go out, and it obviously is a good time for for their box office revenues, uh, particularly for Nutcracker, which is one of the big drives drivers of any ballet company. But I think there is still cautious optimism. Um, I think there is concern about individual artists. You know, the the toll this has taken that even if institutions are getting what they need. You know, are there artists who have left the field? Are there artists who have kind of decided maybe this isn't what I want to do? Given, you know, it's always a little bit precarious, to say the least, and maybe they're moving on. Um, I do think it's helped that we also have a great television, you know, (laughs) presence and production uh, presence in Chicago. And of course, you know, I call it the Chicago Professional Series, but the Dick Wolf, you know, Chicago Med, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, those have definitely been um, a way for some at least of the acting talent that we have here to continue getting some work when they're not able to be on stage. Throughout the past couple years, you know, you've mentioned that theaters have taken a revenue hit. We know that this has been... um, an economic uh, uh, 
issue for for theaters across the city. How has that rippled out to some of the under other industries that are maybe dependent on or at least rely on theater traffic, you know, maybe bars and restaurants and theater districts and and things like that? Um, I don't have hard numbers in front of me, but I would assume anecdotally that it that it has had an impact. You know, back in the day when I was a theater kid and did theater, yeah, I was at a tiny working out of a tiny little storefront in Wicker Park and the coffee house down the street loved it when we had shows because our space was too small to have concessions. So we would just send them down there and they're like, you do well, we do well. It, you know, one hand washes the other sort of thing. So, yeah, I would imagine that it has had, you know, some impact um, for sure, because that's part of what people like to be able to get the dinner and a show. Right. Mm-hmm. How big of a setback do you think was the Omicron surge, you know, in the winter. I mean, you mentioned the 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 Nutcracker and, and a Christmas Carol. I mean, those are huge uh, when it comes to bringing in people who no- normally don't go to theaters. What a lot of theaters had told me back when this was first, all of this was first happening, was that we have enough money to open once. You know, if we open and then we have to shut down two weeks in after we've spent you know, our production costs, and we aren't able to recoup that through box office, that's when we're really going to be in trouble. So I think that's why some of the smaller theaters have not been in necessarily a huge hurry to reopen. You know, they're itinerant for the most part, although Factory does have their space. Um, And many of them are non-equity, so they don't have the fixed costs of salaries. You know, a lot of theaters did have to cut down, though. Mm -hmm. They talked about how many people had to be let go. Well, and that's kind of the thing that I think worries me is and you you said this earlier you might have these theaters or these institutions that are kind of able to weather the storm the theater itself and and come out on the other side and start producing new work and start putting up new stuff in 3 to 6 months from now but there are all of these individual artists and the people who actually work in those theaters i just wonder how much more uncertainty they are able to weather versus maybe these institutions are able to weather. You know, art art salaries don't carry you a long way, even if you're at a more established theater. Um, I think in the macro sense that it's focused attention on pay equity and what that, what that looks like. Um, I've written a few times now for the reader about On Our Team, which started out as a group of costume designers who were concerned about the fact that they tend to be paid less, quite honestly, than set designers and other technical, uh, art, you know, in art, arts uh, and crafts people, to put it that way, in the in the theater world. And they've just come out with the pay equity standards that apply to more than just designers, telling theaters, look, if you're going to do this, let's do this equitably. I think that's, again, one of the things that has come out of the shutdown is people talking to each other about, what, you know, do we want to go back to normal? Because normal wasn't always great for us either. And maybe we can do better than normal. Let's, you know, to say build back better has become a cliche, but I think that that is what a lot of artists are looking at right now. Um, How much success they'll have. I think it depends on the individual theaters that are willing to work with them. Um, I think they recognize that it's a marathon and not a sprint, but at least they are coming up with guidelines and articulating what this could look like. So there is at least a roadmap in place. How do you think Chicago audiences are experiencing theater differently right now? Do you think that there's been 
sort of a, a change from the audience perspective? I think there's been a lot of joy at being able to get back. I have to say, one of the happiest audiences I have seen in recent months is when I went to the opening of the touring production of Frozen. There was a a, a young child sitting behind you. Every time Olaf the Snowman came on stage, was just so overcome with joy. And like, Hi, Olaf! Hi, Olaf! It was adorable. And it just made me think, this is, again, this is what live theater is. They were so into this story, and they had their families with them. And it really did feel like this is an event, and this is something these kids are going to remember. One of the things that got me so teary is when the musical Waitress returned on Broadway at the Curtain Call, they um, sang a song by the late Nick Cordero, who had been in the cast and was one of the early casualties of COVID, a song called Live Your Life. They brought his wife on stage. And I'm watching this YouTube that somebody had taken, and I was just like sobbing as I have never cried at a Curtain Call in my life. And I wasn't even in the audience for this, but it made me realize these artists have given a lot to be on that stage. Um, Nick Cordero won't get to be on that stage again, but he's living on. You know, it's an ephemeral art form. Um, it's here, it's gone. I think it makes you realize, really be present. Just be in the moment with that show and um, be present with the other people there. Carrie Reed, theater critic with the Chicago Reader. Thanks so much for joining us with CityCast Chicago. Oh, and thank you so much for having me. Truly a pleasure. Chicago Theater Week starts next Thursday and runs through the 27th. We'll have a link in the show notes. Before I let you go, a little bit of news. Governor J.B. Pritzker will lift the state's mask mandate as COVID hospitalization rates decline. The change is set to go into effect February 28th and applies to most indoor spaces. But the state is sticking by masks in schools for now, as the governor appeals a ruling that put that requirement into question. The Chicago Public Health Department says the city could also lift its mask mandate at the end of the month if COVID trends continue to improve. And some good news to get you through. We've been featuring your Chicago love stories in our newsletter, and we've really enjoyed reading them. You found love at the zoo, at Blues Fest, and you've fallen in love with your Chicago commutes and the city's Italian subs. Go back to chicago.citycast.fm slash newsletter to check them out. But also, we want to hear your stories in a special Valentine's Day show. Leave us a voicemail with your Chicago love story at 773-780-0246. Thanks for listening. Jacoby is back tomorrow. We'll see you then. I don't know what to say after, because I'm not going to say peace, because that's not how I roll in life.